now is the time for me to qualify. Hi everyone, uh, good morning again. I'm Wendy, I'm a compulsive overeater. And I would like to thank my friend Carol for asking me to speak at this wonderful meeting. You guys have a great new room, oh my gosh. I remember when I first started coming to this meeting, so I, I should say that I'm class of 1994, and this room used to be at the log cabin, where I always thought a rat was going to come out and bite me when I used the restroom. And um, so it has very fond memories for me, and um, gosh, I just owe my life to this program. So much has happened, so much has changed. I mean, I don't even live in Los Angeles County anymore. I moved up to Thousand Oaks, which is technically Ventura County, and uh, Wow, you know, what a difference. So I've been to meetings all over this, you know, this city, the, you know, Southern California. I've even been to meetings in Tokyo. I've been to meetings in London. And I, I truly owe this program my life. I mean, I came in, I was, I was 23 years old. And, um, you know, that's more than half my life ago. And, uh, you know, I, I suffered from this disease as a child. I'm passing around photos right now. And um, <clears throat> my top known weight, you know, when I dared to get back on that scale, uh, was 223 pounds. And I'm about 85 down from that now. But as, you know, I've been in the program 26 years. It, it has not been a straight shot. Those who are hearing me on the recording, I'm sort of wiggling my hands around. It's definitely not been a straight shot. I would love to say, I have 26 years of abstinence. I do not. And I really loved Jack's definition of abstinence because, yes, it is defined. We do want to attain or maintain a healthy body weight. But what's really underneath it all is attaining and maintaining that spiritual contact with a higher power, whatever we choose to call it, you know. Um, so just getting to my story... Um, Gosh, so I, uh, you know, the typical, well, I think, no, nobody's typical, right? But, uh, you know, an overweight child being teased, getting into high school, finally saying, this is it, I'm going on a diet, it was the 80s, I did aerobics, I did your 1,200 calorie a day food plan, all that junk that we used to think was the fix. And yes, I lost the weight. I lost 50 pounds in high school. I also stopped menstruating because I lost it fairly quickly. And, you know, and I really couldn't handle all of the comments from teachers, from, you know, students. Um, wow, you know, oh my gosh, I'm just being treated differently because I weighed less. So I figured, well, when I went off, you know, back east to my fancy women's college and I could really let my hair down, I could just do what I wanted. And sure enough, the weight came back on. Um, and I thought, well, you know, I couldn't handle it and this and that. And couldn't they see the real me underneath the weight loss? But that wasn't it. I didn't know that I suffered from a disease. And that was a big hurdle for me to cross, hearing that this is a disease, hearing that compulsive overeating, like alcoholism, is a form of, you know, mental illness. It's like, what? You know, I have some insanity, but, you know, I have a job, I have this and that. But no, it, it, it's, it's a form of torture that, that we live with, and some of us, you know, find a way out when we come here, and some of us don't. So, um... I put on that weight. I didn't weigh myself. Um, it was right after that earthquake in January of 1994. I found myself constantly back and forth to the fridge, you know, making quesadilla after quesadilla, dancing all night with my gay roommate in Boys Town and flirting with gay men, which was really going to get, you know, a straight female in her early 20s somewhere. And I, um, you know, and that was my life. And shopping, a lot of shoes, a lot of bags, because, you know, my weight just kind of kept increasing. 
So I called my mother. I had an intuitive thought. I don't even, you know, back then I didn't know what an intuitive thought was. I said, what's that OA thing you used to do? Because I remember my mother used to do OA back when it was gray sheet. And so my mother, you know, I come from a family. You'll see in my photo book, um, you know, some of us are compulsive overeaters. Some may identify, some may not. But I remember she'd have, you know, her... She'd have her frozen berries and her whatever it was, because that was her gray sheet. And she said, oh, yeah, I was thinking about maybe I might check it out again sometime, too. It's, yeah, it's OA. Here's the phone number, because I lived in the city for the LA Intergroup. So I find myself on a Sunday night at a meeting at the log cabin, which wound up folding, unfortunately, because people did not take service positions. And that's how meetings fold, when people don't want to step up and take service commitments. But I found myself there, and... Uh, I didn't really know anything about AA 12 Steps. I didn't know any of that. Um, and I came from a somewhat, not religious, but I mean, I had some religious training, but I didn't like hearing people talk about God, and I didn't like seeing people wearing, you know, crosses or Jewish stars. It just sort of gave me the ugh. And I heard people mention God in this meeting, and I sort of, you know, froze up a little. But something told me to stay. You know, I, I, I don't say this often, but... I'm probably not the most spiritual person in the room, but I may be one of the most stubborn. And that's why I stayed, you know, because, you know, it has been converted to perseverance, this stubbornness that I have. So, um, anyhow, I stayed, and uh, I was at the office one day after I had um, already taken a sponsor, and a woman called, and she says, Hey, you know, I got your phone number from, my, from your roommate, because you mentioned at the meeting that you, you know, might want a food sponsor. So I said, oh, okay, thank you. And then I thought about it, and I realized later how strange that was. Because we're talking, you know, mid-90s. This was pre-cell phones. We were barely even on email. And my roommate and I never gave strangers out, you know, our work phone numbers. We didn't, you know. But he gave this woman my number, and I started working with her a bit. And, uh, you know, my early abstinence, my abstinence and my food plan were all one big blah. And I had a lot of no's and don'ts, and I liked to wave my flag, you know, and... My grandmother would sweetly say, oh, sweetie, is there, can you eat something at the place where we're going? And then I'd get annoyed, you know, just like our big book says. I placed myself in a position to be hurt because I was so busy waving my abstinent flags. You know, can't you see? And look, I'm trying to take off the weight. That other people, it was annoying. And I even had one girlfriend say to me, boy, you know, you're talking about going to the gym a lot. And, you know, that's really boring. Nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody really cares. So I had to gain some perspective. So, um... Anyhow, I started doing the steps. I wound up taking another sponsor because the sponsor I had initially chosen couldn't fit me in between like 90210 and Melrose Place. She was also young and she, you know, she had her stuff. So, so I found myself abstaining and um, some weight was coming off. And for a change, I didn't feel so angry. Um, the one thing that did make me very angry was when a trade magazine in my um, industry, you know, called me a newly slim Wendy X, and that just really made me mad, you know. And it's so funny, in hindsight, you know, now with everything that's gone on with the Me Too movement, people say, you know, no one would ever say that about a man or mention his body. I said, yeah, I know. It, it, was, it was a different time, and I didn't call them out on it and whatever. It was what it was, and I accepted it. But... Um, a turning point for me in the program was, um, you know, I was just one of those really stubborn, obnoxious kids. I, I was reading it, in, not obnoxious, whatever. I, my friend would say, don't talk about my friend Wendy like that. But, uh, you know, I was reading it at an early age. In nursery school already, I was demanding to not have, you know, peanut butter and jelly. I needed my macaroni and cheese in the little thermos, or I needed my salami sandwich, only on challah egg bread, right? 
So I had all these things about food because it was so, it was so important in my family. You know, it was just so important. So one day, I think I was just sitting there and I said, "Wow, you know, if it were up to me, I would be drowning in a vat of you know macaroni and cheese." If I were really running this show, and then you know, sort of fast forward, do you remember you know that that ad for a certain weight loss program where you know a certain actress was saying, "I love bread," and and she sounded like a crazy person. I was like, "Yeah, so do I." And I used to think, even in the program, if I could do bread, you know, for all three of my meals and be a healthy body weight and be sane, I'm all for it. Unfortunately, that's not my experience. You know, our OA literature tells us that there are moderate eaters. I don't know so much about moderate eating, but I also don't know so much about restrictive eating. So for me, it's really been a lot of trial and error. There are wonderful people in this program who would take my, you know, my emails. Okay, snack today was three measured peanut butter cups, you know, that kind of stuff. And then having sponsors who'd say, Oh, so you say dessert's not a problem? Okay, then it won't be a problem cutting it out. And for me, what you know, I've, I've had so many suggestions. And what I suggest when you're new, you know. It takes a lifetime to, you know, learn these behaviors, and it's going to take a little bit of time to get over them. So I recommend for for my sponsees, for myself, you know, maybe don't try to do everything at once. And I don't know where I heard this. I must have heard it somewhere because there aren't really any, too many original thoughts. But sometimes I've had to say to myself and sponsees, sometimes you got to do some methadone, get off the damn heroin. And that's really, you know, and then eventually, when you're willing, maybe you can let go of the methadone too. But、um, to try to do everything all at once for me has never worked. To try to do someone else's abstinence, food plan, spiritual journey has never worked. So, so back to my story. I went down to like 154 pounds, and I'm sponsoring, and I'm doing the deal, and yay me, and you know, and then I stop weighing myself, and I stop start taking back some of those behaviors that I'd actively let go of. And I was still doing the same three or whatever meetings a day, a week rather,、um, but I wasn't really enhancing my spiritual life. And that, you know, the big book says, if we don't enhance our spiritual life, that sort of sometimes could be a recipe for relapse. But you know, what is spiritual life, right? I mean, it's been several years since I finally had the willingness to pray on a regular basis, right?、Um, oh, and back to that thing where I thought I'm not doing this myself with the mac and cheese. I decided, okay, maybe there's a higher power. Maybe it's not exactly me, but maybe a little bit of that higher power is inside me when I do the right intuitive action. When I, you know, don't listen to the voice that says, "Go to Target, you need cat food," and then I walk out like two hundred dollars later. What happened? It was like an avalanche, you know, because that's what I do. That's one of the flip sides of my disease that I will do that to avoid a feeling. I want to eat. I want to spend. I don't want to have the feeling because some, something was instilled in me at childhood, and I'm not blaming my parents. It is what it is.、Um, something was put into my, my frame of mind that if I have a negative emotion, it might kill me or it might never go away. That things are not going to pass. And I can tell you that things pass. You know, I had a rough time with my father.、Um, it was very, very difficult. My father died. I made my way through it. You know,、um, I've had. Life changes.、Um, you know, I、uh, I've switched jobs. I went to one career I thought it was going to work out, didn't. Went back to the old job. So things that feel like they're never going to end or never going to get better, it all eventually passes. And and we learned the tools in this program, the tool of outreach, of having our fellows to be able to get through these tough times. You know, because 
you know, I always used to think, I'm a rock, I'm an island, I don't need you. Um, and it's not that I came from a family who didn't want to, you know, be supportive, but they didn't have the tools, you know. It, it, if you were crying, it wasn't like, hey, what can I do to help? It was, have a cookie. You know, what do you want for dinner? That was the tools that I was raised with. So, of course, that's how I'm going to try to parent myself with those kinds of tools. So, I found myself, you know, in the program, decided, okay, let's just call this higher power thing God. It's easier. Let's attempt to do some meditation. You know, there, there's a whole step for prayer and meditation. But I avoided that prayer thing for years. And I always, you know, meditation, I'm doing it wrong, and this and that. And wow, what a relief to hear I don't have the power to turn my mind off, but I do have the power to let the thoughts pass and just keep at it. You know, that's why meditation is called a practice. That's why, like, yoga and working out, they're called practices. They're not things that we're expected to do. I was talking to a friend, and so nice to people who I know, you know, we have this shame. As overeaters, we have this shame. You know, oh, my God, I put on weight. Oh, my God, I don't go to enough meetings. Well, I heard a great acronym for shame. Should have already mastered everything. And you know what? When I master everything, I'm going to be, you know, underground or if it's me, it's going to be, you know, fried to a crisp. But whatever. So, um, but the deal is, so my journey has been weight gain, weight loss, you know, but never, ever leaving. Always believing in this program. Um, Having some unfortunate times where, you know, thinking, oh, I really should try her abstinence. Oh, this friend suggests is going to a nutritionist. Okay, going to the nutritionist who, um, you know, was a lovely person, but I don't think the kind of person who was good for an overeater, you know, uh, saying, oh, read this book, which I won't cite, you can ask me about it later, and that book would say, hey, you know, you should, um, if what you want for breakfast is a donut and coffee, do it. So I did it. And I would be high as a kite until lunch, and I was fine, but I wasn't, like, nourishing my spirit or my body, and just, you know, all this kind of wacky stuff. Um, and I, I love to live in denial, so, you know, I would go see her weekly, I would schlep out to Manhattan Beach, was living in the valley, and I didn't have to look at the number on the scale. I don't let the, the scale is not my God. I don't let it define me. But for me, I've spent so much of my life thinking it was the enemy, thinking I couldn't look at it, thinking that I was only as good as the number. I had to have some sort of reality. And I've done the crazy thing. For me, it's crazy. If you guys do it, that's cool. Whatever works for you. I did that. One friend weighed herself daily. I did it. Didn't work so well. Then I would weigh myself monthly. Didn't work so well. Now I do it weekly. And you know what? I usually have to talk to God before I get on that thing and say, you know what? You are great no matter what. I love you no matter what. You know? See, see yourself the way God and your fellows and your cats and your husband see you. You know, when he met me, um, you know, uh, the, when he was the boyfriend, you know, when he met me, I was, I was starting to close in, I think, getting towards like 190s again. Because I remember going to the doctor and she says, you're looking good, are you working out? I'm like, yes, I've gotten a trainer. And then she puts me on and I'm like, wow, I put on 45 pounds and I didn't even know it because that's the kind of compulsive overeater I am. I used to think it was weird when people would qualify and say, I'm a real compulsive overeater. Well, well, duh, of course we are. But no, I really am because I really do want to hide my head in the sand and I just I just don't want to know about it. So, um, you know, I... Uh, I've had a lot of stops and starts with abstinence. I've had sponsored direction. But ultimately, what it comes down to, it's those little baby steps. What am I afraid of? And my food's not perfect today. And, um, you know, and I get to hear friends say, oh, well, it's all over, and my metabolism, and I can't, and I this, and I have a blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know what? I choose to believe 
that everyone is different and if I'm spiritually fit and if I'm able to ask higher power for what it is I need to be able to abstain to be able to not send a stupid response to an email that has hurt me that has offended my sensibilities you know um, when I take a pause it's really going to be okay but I'm very dramatic you know I it's funny because I'm listening to myself my voice and I probably won't listen to this recording but I am kind of dramatic and I don't like to you know I don't like to believe that and when my late father would say you're so sensitive and I would get so mad but when you can be sensitive and empathetic that's good when you can be dramatic and speak up for yourself that's good but there are there are limits right so um, I really have to learn to practice that restraint of pen and tongue not just towards others but towards myself you know I remember many many years ago this was an earlier absence um, calling a friend because you know I'd really gone big I did too much at a Mexican dinner and I hadn't done that and she said Wendy if I can forgive you and God can forgive you do you think you can forgive yourself and I said yes and I can't even tell you guys I've had countless of these experiences over the years you know where I went to you know I went too big with food or with emotions or whatever and I make amends to myself to people who I need to make amends to and you, know, you just keep walking through it. You just keep living and, and trusting and trying to love yourself. Because, you know, most of us come in here so broken. We, we really hate ourselves. And we, you know, because it's always been about the weight and the shame. And, you know, maybe our families teased us or our schoolmates teased us. But we come in here and, you know, people are like, you know, I love you. I don't care what size you are. Just stay. Just listen. You know, there's another way of life where you don't have to be, you know, completely on your own. Um, and that's just so important to me. So, uh... I guess moving forward um, to this most recent uh, thing of abstinence. So I had had, I called it my bat mitzvah year. Oops, now I just uh, outed myself for saying what I grew up with. But, you know, when I had 13, I had 13 years of abstinence. But then I really had to, I had to look at it. And I think at that point my weight had gone back down again working with a sponsor who had me utilize a commercial plan for my... Um, for my food plan, which I didn't like so well. Anyhow, that sponsor and I, we wound up parting ways, um, and that didn't go so well. So it's really important for me. If the sponsor needs to leave, I want her to get her recovery. You know, I, I tend to not, thank you, I tend to not, I, I tend to not fire people. And oh boy, my sponsor and I, we talk about it all the time, the struggles. And I do find sponsorship to be very difficult in this program because the other way I'm wired, you guys, I want perfectionism for myself and others, and I also want to fix people. And I'm just like, well, duh, can't you just do X? But some people who are still struggling with recreational sugar or whatever their alcoholic foods might be, you can't just tell them, just get off it. Just, you know, um, for some people, just that one day at a time, they just, they're so terrified, no matter how long they have in the program. So just being gentle and just being an example and saying, hey, I was afraid too. I'm walking through my fears also. Um, is important and not to be higher or lower than anybody because that's another big thing you know every time because I have that, that beautiful critical mind I always want to judge everybody and everything and I find myself it starts it's like a little bug and it starts and it starts eating in the brain and it's like oh my god just because this person did this in the, the line in the grocery store in front of you why are you writing like a whole story about why they're so stupid you know it's ridiculous because ultimately I'm feeling judged so that, that is something that I'm continually working on, always, in life and in this program. Um, so with, yeah, sorry I digress a lot, but just back to this current um, absence. So 
uh, started the abstinence over, then, you know, it's so interesting, getting through the big things, getting through, like, the death of my grandmother, the death of a good friend's husband, blah, 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 blah. But then once all that stuff is over, it's like, oh, now I can do whatever. I can eat. I can spend. I can act the fool. I can do whatever. So it slowly creeps back. But, you know, relapse is always a process. It's not an event. It's not a singular thing that happens. Um, and then, again, getting the courage. Okay, let's get back on the scale. Okay, what's reality? Um, and this time around, um, what happened for me was an outside person, a professional, made a suggestion. And he said, oh, my God, your face. Because I looked like I was going to kill him when he made this suggestion. And I started doing it. And I don't do it perfectly. But it did alter. It's something shifted in me. You know, something shifted. And... Uh, the biggest shift, I guess, that has come in recent years is probably realizing that at the end of the day, um, I, it's never going to get better with excess food or excess spending. It just, it, it can't. It just can't. And I keep trying, and I keep looking for the out, and I'm the person who's always looking for the loopholes in my abstinence. Well, you know, if you're not doing recreational sugar, that stevia sweet and chocolate is really okay, because that's my disease. It always wants to get me, you know. But I get to see what this disease does. I get to see my sweet mother, who didn't come back to the program, who's in assisted living, who's in a wheelchair 24-7, who has dialysis three times a week, who is diabetic, who's still obese, I get to see that, and it's so hard, you know, that her physical body is a mess, but her mind is still sharp. And I often think, God, it might be easier to lose your mind than to lose your body, because if you lose, if you lose your mind, you don't even know what the heck's going on. But she does, and it's hard, you know. But I get to love her anyhow, because I spent a lot of years in this program being so angry at her, and angry. Why couldn't you get it? Why did you pass this thing on to me? But part of growing up at Overeaters Anonymous is like. It doesn't matter where I came from. It's where I'm going. And it's, not, and it's also not even about the, um, the future. It's where am I today? I was doing a meditation. Um, no, I was in class yesterday, and she said, you know, where's your mind going? Is it going in the past or is it going in the future? And I'm one of those ones who's going in the future. I mean, I'm sitting there breathing, and I'm thinking, should I wear the cowboy boots tomorrow or should I wear the high boots? Like, just the dumbest stuff. And I think I made the right decision because people like the cowboy ones too. But, um, but, but, but seriously, it's about being in the present and enjoying your life in the present and, and loving yourself in the present. Okay, so maybe I'm not, you know, at X weight today. But I have so many people in my life who love me, people whom I love. I have a wonderful job. You know, I get to live in California. I'm so blessed, you know. I, I, I say to my sponsor sometimes, I go, gosh, you know, I'm so lucky. She's like, you're not lucky. You're blessed. I'm like, oh, that's that a little bit of a difference, you know. And I uh, bless you. And uh, so um, it's just so interesting. And just the open-mindedness of the program, you know. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. I'm open-minded. So if people suggest some literature that's outside my program that they think will help me with the situation I'm having right now as I have, I'm like, mm, you know, this isn't in line with my, nope. You know what? Just check it out. Just check it out. You don't have to do it. I, you know, it doesn't mean that I have to convert or I have to divorce my husband or whatever it is. Just, ha- just be open-minded to what is out there because um, that is, you know, that's the key to the program. So thanks for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. 
please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Does anyone have questions? Yes, please. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the development of your relationship with your higher powers and how you got to a place that you felt like higher power was on your team? Great question. Thank you. Um, So the question is, can I talk about how I got to develop my relationship with my higher power and how I found the higher power was on my team? I'm rephrasing a little. So (coughs) there's um, an unofficial tool (coughs) that I learned in these rooms. It's called the God box, or you can call it, you know, the higher power box, whatever you choose to call it. So with the really big deals in my life... um, Things that I just, I don't know what the solution is, you know, except like with my father, with my mother, with my husband, with work. I would put those in this little box in a folded up piece of paper, you know, please help me with such and such. And periodically going through that, and some things need to stay there for a long time, you know, for example, I'm a little bit of a nail picker, biter, etc. Um, and seeing, oh my gosh, this stuff got resolved. Um, when I was willing to ask for help and get out of the way, and also asking other people, you know, what, what is your, how do you envision your higher power? And sometimes it's just when I'm driving, occasionally hearing a song or even not having any sound on, just that warm feeling that washes over me that's like, you know what, things are going to work out. There's, a, there's an anonymous quote, or maybe someone knows who said it, but it's, you know, everything will be all right in the end if it's not, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. And so, like, you know, what I, what I said before, you know, realizing, wow, who's making these food choices? You know, because like I say, they're not perfect, but they're a heck of a lot different than when I walked in. So I said, that, that's something outside me that I can turn to. I hope that answered. Thanks. Yes, please. Sure. How do I incorporate service into my program? Well, of course... Um, there's the one-on-one level, which is, of course, being a sponsor. Um, I also believe in fellowship, too. You know, um, My home group is actually Saturday mornings at 7.30 in Burbank. So this is, this is quite late, everybody. So you know, what we've started doing, um, uh, I go out to coffee fellowship. And once in a while, I'll eat breakfast with them. But I like to go out and meet people. And we invite different people in the program. I also um, have served on the San Fernando Valley Board a few times, um, which is a big service. And this year, uh, my girlfriends have talked me into being on the OA Women's San Fernando Valley Retreat, so I'm going to help them with their planning stages. So that's how I like to be of service. Um, I've also spoken on some public panels over the years. Uh, not too often. It feels like in this program it doesn't get done as much, but, but maybe it's because I haven't been you know, finding out about it. So that's, that's how I do service. Does that answer? Thank you. Yes, sir. What a great question. How do I um, handle other people's opinions of me? Because I did speak earlier about being sensitive, you know. Um, Of course, we all know the old saying, everybody, opinions are like, "Mm hmm, everyone has one and they all stink, right? So, um, how do I handle it? Gosh, you know what? That is such a good question because... I had to utilize that very recently. So I'm on a listserv in my um, field of work, and I chose to make a snarky comment with a cat name about someone else's comment, which was 
Some other friends had said to me, oh my God, I can't believe this person said blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, me neither. How amateur. Was that the intern? And instead of, you know, restraint of tongue and pen, I sent out something snarky, right? Well, the next day, I get an email from somebody who I'm friendly with, who's not the nicest person, saying, you know, that was very childish and unnecessary what you did. So-and-so is such-and-such publicist and blah, blah, blah. And she's also my friend. So, you know, I had to say, I, man, my head, because... It's that coming from, here's what it comes down to. I come from a critical family. They, they're failed perfectionists. They're so critical of everything. So I'm critical of myself and others. And if I perceive that someone is criticizing me, a threat, you know, real, whether true or imagined, I get, I get ready to fight, you know. So I just, you know, I said, I, actually I didn't really apologize for my behavior. I said, you know, blah, 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 this is what was said. Other people complained. I didn't know they were your friend and I didn't know they were blah, blah, blah. And then they furthered it and said, yeah, well, that didn't make you look good. And I was just like, okay, Wendy, you got to pause. That is her opinion that you don't look good. And then I had to talk to a sponsor about it. And guess what came out of it? What came out of it was, oh, no, I was being called out on bad behavior. And it really wasn't the best behavior. And that's not like, you know, God-centered, the kind of way that I want to be. Because, you know, what good does it do for me to, like, bring this other person down by being kind of snotty? So, um, but I had to really let it go. I had to really struggle with that other person's opinion of me and feel that I wasn't horrible. I made a mistake, you know. I've heard it said that just because we make a mistake, we're not a mistake. But some people, um, myself included, I get a high of telling you, you shouldn't have done that. You're bad. You're wrong. You're this, you're that. Because it makes me feel a little bit better about myself because I'm insecure. So, ultimately... Maybe thinking, just like our big book says, perhaps the person who wronged us was spiritually sick. Yeah, I'm spiritually sick a lot of the time, and maybe they were too. Maybe they needed to do that to feel better, so maybe I can forgive them, and I can forgive myself too. I hope that long-winded response was helpful. Thank you. But it's funny, because that just happened like the other day, and I had to deal with it. Yes, please. Uh, thanks so much for your share, Wendy. Uh, do you struggle with compare and despair at all? And what tools uh, program do you use when you get that is so such a good question. Do I um, struggle with compare and despair? And what tools and programs do I use? I don't feel I struggle with it actively as much as I used to, but I would find a lot of compare and despair because okay, <clears throat> let's face it. We live in Los Angeles. I'm a native, but so many people who come here are trying to, they're trying to be somebody. They're trying to like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to da 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 da. And people, you know, if you go to other parts of the country, people aren't all size four six. They just are not. You go to Chicago or you even go to Disneyland. You go to Hawaii. Because I remember, like, some people, I'm like, wow, that woman's wearing a bikini in Hawaii. I could do that too. So, yeah, I found myself most guilty, like, if I were, say, in a fitness class or at a mall or actually, you know what? Most recently, this very high-end, very fancy-ish yoga studio that's in my area, feeling not good enough. Like, I'm not good enough to be here. These people, you know, their cars cost more than my bubba Um So it's not always just about appearance. Sometimes it's about money. It's about possessions. And, um, you know, when, the, when that compare and despair comes up, I just really try to hit that pause and go, how does higher power see me? How do my sponsees see me? How does, you know, how does 
how do my friends in this program and outside the program see me? Um, you know, I am not my body. I'm not my weight. And I'm not necessarily my mind either. I'm my essence. I'm my spirit. And if my spirit is continually striving to be a better person and to be loving and kind, which is what I feel, that's the work that we do here. We're trying to be loving and kind towards ourselves and others. Then, then I, I'm on the right path. And, and, you know, you can't compare to that. So you can't, what we also say, don't compare someone else's outsides to your insides. Yes. Do you ever get triggered by technically abstinent food? Do I ever? Good question. Do I ever get triggered by technically abstinent food, and how do I get past that? Um, I think I may have mentioned. I really don't have perfect abstinence. Like sometimes I'll eat something, go, oh. You don't. You abstain from white wheat flour. I think that had it in there, um, but I don't always. I don't go. Oh man, you got to start over. Because if, if it was a conscious decision, I'm like, oh, I'm going for it. We're gonna go get pizza. I'm having that. I am doing that. Then that's you know what I mean. That's a thing. Um, I also mentioned you know my dance with stevia sweetens chocolate. You know stevia is a plant. Cacao beans are a plant. You know it's a very processed food. So I can talk myself into anything. Um, you know, there are some, uh, that, th- there's a meeting particularly in the Valley um, that I'm going to cite to you guys if you're struggling with this issue, um, that I would go to all the time. I don't go so much anymore because I moved out of area, but 7.30 a.m., Studio City Sunday. It is a very serious meeting. They really talk a lot about abstinence. And here's the thing, and something that has become big in recent years, um, people talk about sober eating, which is great, and it works for people, but there's nothing in our literature that says sober eating. So that is one food plan that some people choose to use. But I kept going to this meeting, and I kept people hearing, people with many years would restart. And I was like, wow. And finally, I had the courage to say, okay, Wendy, you've been screwing around, like, Let's, you know, all this technically absent. Because you know what technically gets me? And all of my little added bonuses extra, like creating my own bar bars and like having fun with data nuts and all these extras. That gets me back to like, oh, wow, look, I'm back up to 170 and I didn't even know it. Because that's, that's what I do. So just really checking myself and not saying, okay, that's it. I need to find my perfect absence diet. What are you doing? But just, but, but being realistic and saying, okay. What am I playing with and, you know, what am I still trying to get away with? What are my loopholes here? And, you know, maybe you don't shut all the loopholes at once. And, um, but it's just really being honest and looking at it and, get, and feeling supported. But also being mindful for me that I don't have to work somebody else's food plan. Because that is traditionally my 26 years of experience. If you tell me what to do, I'll do it for a little bit. And then they'll, you know, I'm not doing this. Okay, because I'm not on the uh, tape to show you saw what I did. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you want, you want me to do the point system? Okay, I lost the weight on the point system. Guess what? I'm done. So um, it has to be, and I'm not saying I'm wise. We, we should always consult with others, usually our sponsor, when we're making a change in abstinence, food plan, etc. Because, you know, my intuitive thought would have me doing the bread three meals a day kind of food plan. But, um, yeah, consult with others, but also go in your heart and say, what am I afraid of? What am I going to lose here? Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, can you talk about before you covered how um, excessive spending, or excessive spending, especially on like clothes, bags, and shoes. So I want to know now, you know, post-recovery, how do you 
<laughs> how do you manage your spending? You still manage to have you know, great outputs and Oh my goodness, she's hitting me where it hurts. She wants to know, you know, when I said pre-recovery, I was into the spending, and you know, how am I managing that now? Well, I have to be honest with you, there's another room I go to, not as frequently, that works on that, because guess what? I'm still doing it. So this fabulous thing, this is impulsive, this is impulsive. Oh, I'm at Topanga Plaza, woo, look, there's a Johnny Wood store, yippee. So, no, but what, what it came to, um, just before Valentine's Day, uh, with my husband, I looked at him, and I said... I am not buying any more clothing for the next 30 days. And, you know, and I didn't say it to him, but that also includes accessories and anything. And then, like, a day after I said it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going on that trip to Texas, and what if I see something in San Antonio? Oh, my God. And it's like, you know what? It's okay. Ask your higher power for help. It's all going to work out. But, yeah, I am very impulsive. If it's sparkly and fun, I want it. And I even have one of those closets. It's like color coordinated. It is ridiculous. And then the most recent weight loss, I'm like, oh, but I need another pair of $40, you know, lucky jeans that fit my butt well from TJ Maxx. Yeah, guess what? You don't. You have like so many pairs of jeans now. Get over it. So it really is coming back to, I put it in the God box. I actually said it out loud to him. And um, yeah, and utilizing another room for that. And I'm happy to talk to you after if you'd like to. So thank you. Um, next question? We have like a little under five minutes if there's um, another Query. Yes, please. You mentioned that you had lost a lot of weight. Uh, how about that extra skin? How do you feel about that? Okay. All right. The extra skin question. When you lose a lot of weight and you have extra skin, you know, what do you do? Okay, so I came when I'm 23. I'm 49 now. Um, I, you know, for me... I think I've been kind of fortunate. Um, all right. So some people, they really do. You know, I like 85, there have been points where it's close to 90. I don't have that sort of the, that extra skin for me. I have my battle scars. I have a lot of stretch marks. I've got the cottage cheese thighs. And some people say to me, you know what? Most women have cottage cheese, cheese thighs. Even the skinny ones do. So for me, it's about love and acceptance. These are just, you know, this is just... Um, that uh, where you know where I come from. So um, it's there. There, there's a woman who um, lives in the valley, Colleen. She does a very excellent uh, body image workshop, and you can see me afterwards because I, I have the recordings from the birthday party, and I, I believe she talks about that kind of stuff, learning to love and accept your body no matter what. And I know some people in the program have done stuff about the excess. You know, like I say, I am. Um, I do work out a fair amount, not like a maniac, but I do it, and that, and maybe my age and being, you know, not postmenopausal has been the difference for me. Everyone's experience is different, but, um, you know, uh, whatever makes people feel good. You know, we have no opinions. Like, um, I had a former sponsee who had a weight loss, uh, a surgery thing, and I was like, okay, you're sure this is what you want to do? She's like, yep. I'm like, okay, I don't work with her anymore, but I don't have an opinion on that. So, um, I would just say, you know, get to the love and acceptance. You know, this is who I am. This is a part of me. And again, back to, I'm not my whole, I'm not my body. That is not who I am. That is not my true essence. My true essence is inside. It's who I am inside my heart. Thanks. And if there's another quick, yes, one more quickie. Yes. Yeah. Good question. Um, <clears throat> where does uh, love and acceptance cross the line with fat serenity? Oh boy, you know, 
Um, I don't think I've ever been a person who has been in fat serenity. I've been in more denial, fake serenity, right? So, um, for me, it's uh, accepting where I am today, but saying, you know what, this is where I am today, but I would like to have some improvement. Not because I'm horrible or unlovable or whatever because of where I am today, but just, and that, that's also not just about um, food, body, weight. That's also about, you know, who I am as a person. Am I still making sarcastic, snide, snide comments? Am I still doing dumb things on my PR list? Am I... Um, you know, am I having to be right? Would I rather be, you know, right or would I rather be happy? So, um, you know, I don't, it, it's very tricky, you know. There are some people in the Valley meetings who will kind of, you know, I, said, I, I mentioned somebody, wow, so-and-so was really pleasant to me today and I think they'd never like me. She said, it's because you're skinny. I was like, no. She's like, no, some people are like that. And I said, you know what, that's so wrong. Um, because I, when I see somebody who is, has relapsed and has come back after a while or has clearly put on weight, I say, hey, it's good to see you. I don't go. You know what I mean? Because I, mean, I think some people do that and it's like, God, you know, we're, we're family here. We shouldn't be doing that to each other. So I'm not the person who's going to say, you know, what, what's, you know, what's wrong with you? There are some people, it's really a difficult line. It's very blurry, you know, because some people will go up and say, what's wrong with you? You put on weight. And I'm not that. Say, hey, how are you doing? You know, do you need to talk? Do you want, you know, it's very, it's a challenge. So, um, we can talk more about that after, but that's a really, that's a really good question. So thank you very much for allowing me.